Welcome to Leverage Masters, airing weekly on Tuesdays at 12 Eastern and on demand on iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. Leverage Masters hosts Jack Humphrey and Gina Gaudio Graves discuss leverage strategy with guest leveragists. Be sure to subscribe to Leverage Masters in your favorite podcatcher for great tips and case studies on using leverage to achieve your biggest goals much faster. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Leverage Masters. I'm your co-host, Tina Gaudio-Grace, the co-founder of Divizio, an affiliate network for companies doing good, and we have got a fantastic show lined up for everybody. We have my co-host and friend, Andrea Adams-Miller, the founder of the Red Carpet Connection, joining us. Hello, Andrea. Hi. How has your week been? Fantastic. How about yours? Uh, it was uh, busy and fun. So I went out to L.A. and I met with a huge $10 million dental company that we're going to be doing some merging with for the Keep Smiling Project. Um, oh, it's how an amazing cool. company. Yeah, they're, they're doing some really beautiful stuff in the world. And then um, uh, they're called PH Dental in um, Orange, California. And then uh, what did I do after that? Oh, then I went to City Summit and spoke. And then I covered City Gala, Oscar night. It was an Oscars party. Um, uh, Demi Moore and Robert Hervetschek. I don't even think I say his name correctly. The guy off Shark Tank. And then um, I also covered the Hollywood Tribute um, red carpet and their uh, Oscar gala. So lots of different events this weekend and parties. So uh, lots to do in the world. (laughs) Wow. yeah, it's been pretty ex- exciting. And then I we have a really great guest today as well. Um, his name is Mark Porteous. I haven't had the pleasure of meeting him in person, but from our first conversation, I felt very soulfully connected to him already. And that makes perfect sense because he is the soul connector. He helps inspired influencers and mission-driven entrepreneurs make soul connections so that they can impact and change the world, scale their businesses to six and seven figures. Everybody loves that idea and enjoy thrilling soul success in every arena of their lives so there's three types of connections that he's going to express for us today to connect with our inner being who we really are your unique soul purpose and your divine tribe which is your perfect customers dream team and affiliate ambassadors and he has so much more including a free gift for us so mark welcome to the show Thank you so much. I really appreciate uh, the invitation and have, uh, again, as you said, felt the instant alignment where we met. I feel like we're on a shared mission. So it's a great honor to be here with you both. Well, we're super happy to have you here. And uh, we have, um, you know, a cool thing here with the Leverage Masters. Uh, Gina has been on um, multiple years uh, before I came along, and then now with us maybe a year and a half or two. I don't know. It just seems like the time flies because we're having so much fun. And uh, on here we have so many wonderful people who really want to leverage their lives. And we have people who really get that, you know, this deep connection between people is so important. So how did you come to uh, discover that that was the most um, important factor in your world that would change change the way that you live and be? I love that, the way that you live and the way that you be. Uh, that's been a big part of it is just really uh, integrating 
the inner work that I've been doing with the outer work that I've been doing. When I um, was 23, I was working for Greenpeace. My girlfriend brought me in to see uh, my first metaphysical bookstore, and that's where I read the quote, we're not human beings having spiritual experiences, we're spiritual beings having human experiences. And um, that made everything else that I had questioned and wondered about make sense. And uh, it's been a process ever since then of aligning with that. And when I finally uh, wrote my book 18 years later, um, I, my, my wife was the one who encouraged me to get into coaching. My very first coach asked, well, what is your niche? And I said, I wanted to be a spiritual coach. And he literally laughed at me and said, oh, you can't do that. You won't make any money. You need to either choose health, wealth, or love. You can be a business and, and money coach. You can be a relationship coach, or you can be a health and wellness coach. Uh, and you can sneak in spirituality like medicine and the dog food. And I subconsciously carried that with me as I tried to pretend what I needed to be to help uh, visionary, mission-driven entrepreneurs to, to be able to live uh, and thrive in their purpose. And what I found was that the biggest leverage, you know, this is all about leverage masters, is through relationships and through um, deeply aligned relationships. And that when uh, I brought people together that were all in alignment with who they were at soul level, magic happened. And when I brought people together where uh, someone hadn't uh, been doing the alignment work, uh, even if they had been doing personal development for years, just like a car that doesn't get in alignment once in a while, you create a wobble. And so uh, that's why those, those three types of relationships, the connections that you mentioned earlier are so important. Before we can create uh, your dream team or even your perfect customer, uh, you, you really have to know who you are at soul level and what you're here to do and how to deliver your, the transformation in a way that is unique to you. Beautiful. Beautiful. You know, when, you know, when I meet different people and, you know, and you, you just, uh, you know, I guess it's just kind of fun, you know, when you meet somebody and you swear, swear that you've known them your whole life and without missing mm -hmm. a beat, you just jump right into there. I mean, it's like jumping rope with them. You just jump in and, and you're so, so deep. And, uh, That's and, soul tribe. you know, yeah, it's pretty amazing. You know, what I do notice, though, is that people make those connections, and sometimes they're just for the moment, which may be all that they're supposed to be for. And at the same time, I wonder how much is missing because we don't always follow up on those. Uh, what is your take on that? Um, it's interesting because, yes, we all know the, the reason, the season, and the lifetime, and uh, for me, that's been a, a difficult challenge because I, I, I see the best in people and, and often uh, people around me will, will give red flags and warnings and that, that I just don't see. And, uh, you know, you really have to make the choices about what is really in alignment with your highest good because whatever is best for you is best for everyone else involved. Um, and so I, I think that's the biggest piece is um, being able to be true to yourself. Well, uh, certainly uh, so many of us don't do that on a regular basis and, um, you know, feel the pressures of, you know, society or other people um, or, or, well, let me, let me rephrase that. It's the pressures that we create based on our perception of society mm -hmm. and what other people think. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's looking for outside um, recognition for, you, you know, who you are on the inside instead of the other way around. Yeah. It's uh 
interesting as I, I go along the, you know, the different things that I've heard as I am in my journey to self-actualization. That's kind of how I refer to it. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm finding it quite introspective, you know, um, and it, I'm also learning that um, I, I had a belief, I think, my whole life that I had to suffer to learn. Mm-hmm. And I I never learned until late in life that the word suffer doesn't mean it has to be painful, that there's other definitions of the word. And um, it means to um, stretch and grow, but that doesn't have to be painful. That could actually be quite pleasurable and, and everything could work with grace and ease. Grace and ease, two of my, my big goals. And I totally understand <laughs> what you're saying about suffering. Uh, the, the Buddha said, or Buddhism in general uh, believes that uh, suffering, all suffering comes from attachment. And uh, one of the big experiments I've been living for the last nine months since uh, my birthday last June, my children bought me Michael Singer's The um, Surrender Experiment and his first book, The Untethered Soul, which is all about um, what led into The Surrender Experiment. And uh, it's just amazing the power that comes from uh, being able to be tapped into your inner guidance and to be able to trust that over everything else and to fully live into that, you know, he, he ended up being the owner of WebMD, which made him a billionaire. Uh, but all of the spiritual tests, and to, to me, that's a big piece of it, is that I see my business as being an entrepreneur as a sacred practice. It is a spiritual practice, just like parenting or, or being a husband. And um, when we see that, we see that there is a, um, a spiritual solution for every human problem that we have. Mm. That's interesting. Um, and you mentioned the word grace. So Gina, my co-host, um, mm-hmm. she recently changed her name from uh, Gina Gaudio Graves to Gina Gaudio Grace. And um, Gina, do you want to uh, share about that, that decision with Mark? Because I, I think it just is kind of poignant to what we're talking about. Well, I didn't do it because I just wanted to change my name. I had been married for 26 years, and my husband's last name was Graves when he left, and we ended up divorced three years later. I didn't feel right being Graves, Gaudio Graves anymore, and it felt worse going backwards to Gaudio. I wanted to go forwards in my life. I didn't want to go backwards. So I was talking about it with a copywriting friend of mine one day, and I said, you know, I use AskGGG.com as a domain name for all my redirect links. I've got like 5,000 of them. If I become Gina Gaudio again, then there's no three Gs. That's weird. He says, well, Gina, have you ever thought about taking on a new name like Grace? Then you could tell the story of how you went from the grave to Grace. I'm like, oh, man, that felt so good. So I am now Gina Gaudio Grace. Well, and it just fits you so much better. I mean, it's just the idea of it. It just shifted you um, spiritually as well um, when when you told me you were doing that. It was just a huge shift. You just you looked lighter. You um, you you, your voice was lighter. It just you know. And as you step into it and fully own that, I see it happening more and more. Absolutely. (laughs) And Um, and like you, Mark. Absolutely. And like you, I am a connector and I see leverage through relationships everywhere. 
I mean, to me, that's the ultimate leverage. Relationships can give you so many different kinds of leverage, can't they? Absolutely. Um, and, and again, it's about knowing who's aligned with your vision. And those people, um, no matter who you might think you are, when you're aligned with somebody, they will move mountains to support you. And it's just uh, the, the things that can show up when you surround yourself with people that are uh, in alignment with who you are authentically. Totally agree. Mm-hmm. So tell, tell me how the core um, assessment index came about, because that's a free gift that you offer for people. Um, for those of you who are listening and want to know how to ac- access that, um, you can go to the description of the show and click on the link there, or Mark, if you have a, another shortcut link to it um, that you can verbally say, please do. They can actually just go right to my website. It, it's on there as well, markporteus.com. And um, Perfect. The, the assessment is right on my page, and it's actually created by Lynn Taylor, uh, founder of Taylor Protocols, who was, uh, wrote the algorithm for the original Siri voice recognition. Uh, and he, he was a, he's done over 200 multimillion dollar corporate turnarounds using this tool, the Core Value Index, to get the right people into the right place. It's, it's an extension of uh, Abraham Maslow's work. You were talking about self-actualization before, and that the top, mm. the highest uh, pyramid is uh, the self-actualization piece. And one of the things that Abraham Maslow said before he died was the one piece that he had left out of that was contribution, and that your mm. contribution is really the highest form of self-expression. So uh, this tool actually helps you to identify your four core energies. Everybody has some of all four power, love, wisdom, and knowledge. Uh, And this has gone back to Aristotle talked about the four types, but this is actually, again, an algorithm uh, that is specifically designed to cut through your adapted behavior to who you are, your innate, unchanging core values. So it's a very unique measurement. Uh, No two people pick the same word choices. It's one in 10 octillion chance of that happening. Uh, Over a million people have taken it so far. And it's 97% reliable. So no matter when you take it over the five-year span so far, they've done it, I think, over 20 years, actually, you're 97% likely to get the same scores um, year after year. So it's just a very unique way to learn more about who you are, which is so important for this whole conversation around leverage. I have found that when you're um, out of alignment, you do a lot of pushing. There's a lot less low in your life and when you are in alignment you can move just a little bit of energy and and make incredible things happen so this is a tool to help you recognize when you're out of alignment with the energy that is in the highest contribution for any situation so you can shift from one energy to the other that's most appropriate to help you again add to value to whatever uh, situation might be coming up in your life Sounds beautiful. And then when people are using the, using the, you know, assessment from that, you know, 
you know, I, I kind of, <laughs> actually, it makes me think, I was um, looking at people this weekend who were looking at um, a store that had, like, shoes and purses and scarves um, for sale, and the one woman would take one and pick it up and walk over to another woman, and she'd pull out this color chart and then see if the, those, you know, scarves matched her color chart. I almost kind of see us being able to use the assessment like that in our world without maybe being so blatant about going, let me see if you're on my chart, you know. <laughs> And oh, um, no, it's so I wondered, true. And it, you're absolutely spot on. <laughs> um, what are we going to ask? I'm sorry for interrupting. Well, I, I'm just, I'm just, you and I are probably going to say the same thing in a different way. I mean, it's almost like we almost kind of need to, it's almost like if we could just tag that or have a little color coding on our necklaces or something, it would make it even easier than the eye, you know, because some of us can just look at each other and we know the knowing is there. Mm-hmm. And some other mm-hmm. times, if we get somebody who's just a little on the introvert, we, we don't reach out to them, and we, we're missing out on someone who was our best aligned person, but that, that initial spark wasn't there, or we didn't read it correctly. You're, you're so absolutely right, because we get attracted to our own types, and we surround ourselves with our own types, and we need all of the types to, um, to have a powerful collective intelligence. Absolutely. Um, So give me some feedback on, like, you just had your wonderful retreat. You had the Soulful Retreat. I've heard really good things about it and had the pleasure to talk to a couple people now who've been to that. Uh, Tell me how... How that came about, and and like what were what were the things that came out of it that you weren't expecting that came out to be even more enlightening than you imagined? Um, ease and grace were one of the things that that were really underscored a lot, uh, and I don't mean to harp on the whole alignment thing, although it's a major theme for me. Uh, because of everything being so in alignment, it seemed very easy and graceful. Uh, now, I also give credit that because I have a very uh, organized and structured wife who manages my life and my business, so she can worry about all the things that I don't uh, and, and be able to pull off to make sure that all of the details are taken care of. So I, I acknowledge that, and um, it's still, as you know from doing events and going, you know, you're constantly at events, uh, it takes a lot to, to bring that together and to curate so that it is a room filled with people who reflect who we are. It was really, I felt like I was in a house of mirrors uh, looking at all these amazing soulful leaders who were already making a huge impact. Uh, some of them having millions of email subscribers and um, others having you know, brought transcendental meditation to the United States back in the seventies and just up to really big things in the world with um, uh, helping to overcome PTSD in Rwanda and the, the Parkland shootings and just like the, the incredible people and that it was a reflection of not only who I am but all the other people that were in the room so it just felt like it amplified all of the energy um, that was there and that we all felt like playing a bigger game even though you know we're already doing cool things uh, we're just upping the game in 2020. It's amazing uh, to you know hear how um, you know people when they come together. I just love meetings and retreats. Um, I really enjoy being with people, and it just my energy builds even greater when I'm around people. Uh, it's um, 
just something that I really enjoy. And so hearing Ken describe it as well as some of your other people, it just sounded like a really great, wonderful place to be. And so I'm so glad that you guys all got to experience that. So moving forward with, you know, that what came of that, what, what do you see happening um, now that or something that maybe you've already planned that would come from it as far as future events or future collaborations? Absolutely. Um, you know, that was a big piece of it. And Ken was a, another example of those synchronicities that showed up through alignment, uh, both in meeting my dear friend, Dr. Liddy Louise on, on the marketers cruise, and then um, just the whole integrating what he was doing, the whole keep smiling movement. Uh, there, there was a whole bunch of these little pieces. And the idea was that this is not a one-off event, but the beginning of a movement uh, to really create a legacy of healing for the next seven generations. So that's um, what we're moving into for our, our theme next year. This is the first time uh, we'd ever hosted our own event. We've done lots of that for my clients and done lots of you know, transformational three-day events. We know that um, that model, and we wanted to do something different. You mentioned being a retreat, and that was the idea that it wasn't a conference with speaking heads uh, so much as it was really all the wisdom in the room and being able to structure it as a mastermind retreat so that uh, we would see what all the different pieces are and how we can all work together to weave a fabric of uh, the vision that we want to co-create together. And so we are doing uh, another event just about a year from now. And then the people who joined the Soul Affiliate Alliance during the event will be doing a uh, two-day mastermind. We're, we're looking at Calgary right now. And all of the people, or at least uh, half of the 20 people that are in the Soul Affiliate Alliance host their own transformational events. So I'll be at uh, Red Elephant Stand Out and Thrive in April. I'll be going to the Women's Prosperity Network's um, event in, on Leap Day in February in Fort Lauderdale, I, near where, I, I don't know if Ken will be there or not, but there's just so many of these uh, other movements that that's really what I'm supporting is, is other uh, inspired influencers who have their own tribes and communities and being able to amplify the work we're doing as soulful leaders. That's uh, fantastic. For those of you who are listening and wondering who's this guy, Ken, that we're talking about, um, <laughs> we're talking about Ken Rashawn. He's the founder of the movement with me. Um, I'm the executive director of the Keep Smiling movement. And then Gina has coached Ken in the past, so he's been a client of hers. So um, he, because I'm executive director of the Keep Smiling movement, he gets mentioned uh, frequently. So uh, we always give him a little extra love because that is a huge passion of mine and almost everything, well, it's not almost everything. Everything I do overlaps the Keep Smiling movement. So <laughs> it is it is my baby. I have taken that on as the mother um, of that project, and that's been my world for – in March, it'll be – it started six years ago in March, and this summer it'll be um, six years that I've been um, extremely active in it. So very fun. So I'm, I'm so glad, glad that you that are, too, because it's, I, I discovered at the event from – uh, one of the photos with Ken, he did lots of my smiling photos and the superhero pose, I was not smiling and everyone commented, uh, you know, you're missing your superhero smile. And uh, I realized that that is one of my superpowers. Keep smiling. The superhero smile. Oh, awesome. Yeah. That's I was fantastic. trying to be serious in the pose, you know, with the hands on the hips and just, um, yeah. we were doing an exercise that everybody was doing it. And, um, and so I was trying to be serious and realize, no, lighten up, keep on smiling. 
<laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> well, we, that always makes us uh, joyful to hear that. Uh, it's pretty exciting. So I want to hear a little bit more about, you know, some maybe what is what is something that you've always wanted to share about being soulfully connected and being the soulful connector that you've never had the platform or privilege to be able to bring up and talk about? Whether it's, you know, just anything, if it's controversial, whether it's just something deep in your heart, just whatever just feels like it needs to just come out. I want to give you that space. Sure. I, I appreciate that. And I, I appreciate even the, the uh, stretching for myself of being able to say, oh, what, what could be uncomfortable or um, what's emerging for me? It, I, I really appreciate that space. And as you were saying, uh, just, you know, let it sink in. And what came up for me was one of the three themes for Vision 2020 and, and the event, the Soulful Leadership Mastermind Retreat, uh, of course, being around vision, clarity is one of the most powerful tools that we have. And it's a really easy to get on board with clarity um, and focus to know how to discern where to put your energy so that where, you know, where your energy goes or where your focus goes, energy flows. So uh, clarity and focus are pretty easy to um, get on board with the third one is perspective and perspective is the one where I is my kind of leading edge to be open to perspectives that directly conflict with my own because I know that there's all of the different sides of it and uh, especially in this political environment where um, I, I am very much challenged to tolerate um, such blatant disregard for my values and to understand that even those and, and not only the, the, the people who are directly um, opposing my values but the people who are standing by and, and, and watching them uh, and even supporting them uh, it, it ruffles my, my, my feathers and so for me to be able to be in a place and to uh, try to see from their perspective and to see from beyond their perspective or mine and just be the observer of the whole thing and, and understanding that there is divine order um, and it is not my place to push my perspective on anyone else. Hmm. Well, uh, that, that, that I love that you're able to, you know, see that in yourself and be able to share that because that, you know, when we have that opportunity to, go a little bit deeper it's it's kind of fun isn't it <laughs> yeah fun in a uncomfortable way <laughs> getting uncomfortable has to be fun we have to get really comfortable becoming uncomfortable if we want to grow <laughs> absolutely um i'm going to ask you another question and then if gina if you or if gina if you have a question now please go ahead and just cut me off um i want to so when when we talk about um, about our soul and so forth, I wanted you to address a little bit about that, you know, because we have a, a lot of entrepreneurs who listen and, and CEOs and so forth. And at the same time, uh, we also attract an audience that, you know, would be maybe referred to as woo-woo, you know, that, you know, they see um, the more alignment with inner and with the possibilities of what's out there. And so I wanted to know here a little bit more about your take on the soul and how it how it travels with us or your belief on uh, the differences between people who think it's only a one lifetime multi and versus multiple and so forth. And, and, and just hear what your take is on all of that. 
Sure. So um, I appreciate, again, being able to dive right into such a deep question, um, Going starting off with the idea of, of business and having an audience who may be CEOs and, and you know, doing corporate work. This discussion was not even something that would be explored 10 years ago and certainly 20 years ago, but we're in a, a very different time. Uh, a friend of mine, John Thomas, worked for Intel for many years and brought, introduced a mindfulness program there, I think, 20 years ago, and they didn't think it was going to catch on. And now over 80% of the entire Intel um, workforce is enrolled in the mindfulness program. So I, I just think that we're in a very unique time, again, of, of people having a broader perspective and um, being able to think outside of previous limiting beliefs. So um, I can share my beliefs, and again, they're just my perspectives. Uh, so um, you can take what feels right and, and good with that, um, and, and, so, and just what you know to be true. And anything else, it doesn't really matter because there's so many different uh, levels of reality. All we can do is, is know that we're in a human experience right now and to be present with what is right now. Uh, all that has happened before has led us to here, but it doesn't determine where we're going. And we can't be um, so focused and concerned about the future that we're missing the present moment. So that whole thing with the surrender experiment, being able to, um, to trust your inner guidance and to be taking inspired action, whatever your beliefs are, um, as long as you're being a good person, I think that the all of the other stuff is just basically man trying to put God in a box, and we can all a, build a bigger box for him, but it's still a box. So um, while I believe that that we are uh, spirits that incarnate into our bodies at different times for different reasons, and that we have uh, sacred contracts that we come into our lives with, I believe that you and I have one of those contracts, and. Um, you know, showing up in service to the people who are in my soul tribe just becomes very, very easy, joyful, and um, lights me up. So it doesn't matter if I'm right or wrong. Uh, I think whoever's happiest wins. Hmm. Very interesting. I, uh, whoever's, whoever's, happy, whoever's happiest wins. And a lot of people buy things to become happy or they, they're, they're driven to make accomplishments and achievements to be happy, but those things don't make you happy. You have to be happy doing them. You have to be uh, happy without attachment to the outcome in order for the outcome to bring joy at all. Hmm. Yeah, um, thank you for that. Uh, that. That's something I've been thinking about a lot lately with um, some people that I have in my life and, and, and it's just interesting and the difference um, th that I've noticed. Um, like, so I, I get teased a lot because of like the cars I drive or whatever. And I just don't have, um, I just don't, the status of a car, I'm not attached to it whatsoever. I mean, there's nothing wrong with my car. I drive a 2014 mm -hmm. Chevy Malibu. Uh, why? Because that's the car I already have, and I there's nothing wrong with it. And I bought it for my father-in-law because it was a great deal, and I wasn't even looking for a car then. He just happened to say, hey, you want to buy my car at this price? It was too good of a price at too low a mileage, so it was a good move. Mm -hmm. um, otherwise, I, 
like for me to stop and take the time, I wouldn't even know what car to shop for or whatever. I mean, I, I would have to take some time to go do that. And I'm open to doing that. Uh, but at the same time, it's not a priority to me. I already have something that works. I'm fine with it. Um, if someone gave me a car, I'd happily receive it. Um, but it's uh, for me, it's not a priority to go and look or to have it or to say I have it or to be seen in it. it, it does, that means nothing to me. And so I get it that other people do, and I can appreciate where they're at with that and why that's important to them or if it's a, you know, a hobby or you know they're into cars and so forth. But for me personal, it's just not an attachment. So it's... it's um, so this car specifically has been coming up uh, last couple months um, over the, I guess, last eight months that we've been having some discussions about that within my inner circle in the world. And, and, and it is very interesting. What, what are some specific areas that um, you also see that happening in? Well, I think car is the absolute most perfect example you can have of, as far as a, a tangible reflection of who we are. Um, and I'm very much the same way. Uh, I was became self-conscious of it right after my event, picking up one of my new clients uh, because I still drive my 2008 uh, Nissan Altima that I bought brand new uh, back in my glory days of the, you know, just living a very comfortable lifestyle before I got to do what I really am here and meant to be doing. And it, it's, it's almost nostalgic, but it's also just not having the time or the priority to do the car shopping. Um, yeah. My wife's got a, a new minivan that she's like, I don't want a minivan. We got it because my father had moved in here um, and then passed three months later. And so she has this van that is, is here for my father. And I'm like, I want the minivan. I'll take it. And you can get the next new car. But it, I, in the same way, like it's, it's functional. Uh, I hardly, hardly ever use that car. And so it just hasn't been a priority. And I don't again, care about being judged by the, the outer part of it. So and I also love looking at Lamborghinis and uh, beautiful cars and uh, can understand why people are, are really uh, energized by them. And for me, again, the, the use of funds could be otherwise used, but there's just something about the, the that perspective piece of, of, again, understanding. And you said the same thing. It's great for the people who are into cars to have them. It's just not our thing. And, um, that's one example. And again, it's a reflection because kind of our bodies are our vehicle. Um, and as entrepreneurs, I know that that was one of the challenges for me is that I kept putting my body last and putting business and trying to, um, have this urgency of living my mission and, and trying to make it successful when it was so easy to just be ignorant before, uh, you know, knowing what was mine to do. Um, but doing it anyway um, and then realizing that, okay, it's, it's not urgent. It's just showing up and just um, being, it's not so much about what you're doing. As long as you're being in alignment with who you are, whatever you're doing is the right thing to do at that time. You know, something you just said uh, created a shift for me. I realized when you'd mentioned car and then, people as you know our bodies as our vehicle i'm like oh my gosh because i'm 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 heavy and i totally accept that that's who i am and i'm okay with being thinner but i obviously it's not a priority because i'm not going and exercising or doing whatever you know I'll, although i fix up and you know people say i'm pretty or whatever you know i my weight i don't 
I'm not really overly particularly worried about. Um, pe- other mm-hmm. people are more worried about my weight than I am. And it just <laughs> dawned on me that I'm not um, worrying about that vehicle either. Although both of them, whether it's the car that I have. Now, recently, I've stepped up. I used to never take care of my cars. Like, I just, like, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm in and out of cars so much. It ended up, you know, it felt like I was living in it, you know, because you're in But now, I, every day, I'm like, oh, wait, there's, you know, a straw paper left in the car or there's a piece of paper, and I don't have any stuff in my car. My car is always clean now. Um, so I've shifted uh, in the last uh, year and making sure that I always have a, a clean, tidy car. And, uh, and so, um, and so now thinking about that, I'm like, oh, my gosh, um, you know, if I now realize I need to get my oil changed more regularly and make sure my, you know, I got new tires and blah, 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 why am I not doing that with my personal vehicle, which needs to last way longer than the car? <laughs> Amen, sister. I, I feel that in, in the same way with me. Again, I, I literally the seven, oh, I guess it's nine years now since I left my corporate job, I was gaining weight every year and it was. Um, not so much about the outer appearance, which um, I wasn't that attached to. Um, it was more about the, the flexibility and the, the aches and pains and, and realizing um, that, yeah, just the commitment to myself and to, to taking self-care. I enjoy going for a walk and going to the gym and going for a swim. Um, and that you have to, if you're not enjoying it, then, then, it, then you're regretting or, or you know, it's a chore. Uh, then it doesn't have the same effect. It really has to be about uh, honoring your your body, and it, to me, it just gives me more energy and um, I, I just being aware of it. And, and it doesn't have to be obsessing, but like you said, just that awareness uh, of picking up the yeah. straws on the floor and stretching every once in a while for me. <laughs> yeah, because it dawned on me because you know being at this Oscar party or whatever, um, it, it, and because I'm always about functional. Um, first thing on Sunday, I get up in the morning and I had put on a different dress to wear during the event during the day. But then I knew that I was going to be, I'm like, gosh, we're probably going to be delayed. I'm not going to get back to the hotel to switch clothes. And then I'm going to go to that event and that event. So I decided very early on to put on my evening clothes first thing in the morning and just be dressed for the day. And that's what I normally do. It's just easier. One thing, boom, done. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I purposely, I had an evening gown that was way fancier and whatever, and was going to take that. And then I was like, no, I need functionality because I'm, I'm there. I mean, while I'm a speaker and I'm connection and I'm an attendee, I'm also a photographer taking keep smiling pictures and I'm a publicist. So I need to meet people and move. I want to be able to be functional and not be trapped in a dress that I can't, you know, do what I need to do or move and go where I need to go. So I chose to wear a dress. It's an attractive dress, but it's not all that, you know. And it was funny because in the morning people would say, what are you wearing tonight? And I'm like, this. And they're like, oh, well, that's pretty. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, I go, I know. I said, this is functional. It's okay. You know, I totally... (laughs) But then when I look at the some of the women that I photographed, I mean, they were definitely the Lamborghinis of the evening, you know, and, and they looked gorgeous. And I'm glad that they were wearing those dresses. They were so, so beautiful. And, you know, part of me was like, only like 2% was like, oh, that would have been nice to be that 
have a fancy poo-poo dress like that tonight. And then the other 98% is, I'm so thankful I didn't have on a 90, uh, you know, that 98% was like, no, no fancy poo-poo dress because now I can't move, I can't dance, I can't <laughs> get in and out of things, I can't eat, you know. <laughs> so it was it's just really funny that just uh, talking with you here, seeing the realization about that, like what's what's my priority? So for some of those women, their body shape and their exercise, their body is their Lamborghini and um, and they probably show that off. So and people are happy to look. So um, and and so and, that, and there are also many of those Lamborghinis that are always comparing themselves to the other Lamborghinis, and they're never good enough in their own minds. Yeah, so it's really I, I do find that you as well. For being able to be comfortable in your own shoes, literally. Well, thank you. That that is something that um, that I I I. I talk to women about a lot. I have uh, friends who are models and even one friend who's a supermodel or was a, was a famous supermodel and their, uh, their self-confidence compared to mine is flabbergasting. So it's, it's, it, mm-hmm. I, I, maybe, you know, and it, and I have to, I always have to wonder in their eyes, are they thinking, what is up with Andrea that she's not thinking <laughs> that maybe I need to do a little something different. And then I'm, you know, and on the other hand, the world is looking at them and going, you're so beautiful. What is wrong that you can't see that? And, and then I, I always joke, I have a, a, a comedic joke or whatever that I create. I've always wanted to do comedy where, um, I would, um, I say I have reverse anorexia and an anorexic looks in the mirror and says, Oh my gosh, I look fat. I look in a mirror and go, damn, I look great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, That's um, good. so, so it is, it is ironically funny because, you know, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe I should shift the way the other way a little bit and worry about the maintenance of the car and, and a little bit about the, all the other. Um, and at the same time, uh, you know, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Do what feels good. I guess so. So we have about uh, ten minutes, I suppose, here. Twelve minutes here left on the show. Um. So I did notice that you did write the book, The Human Experience, as well. Um, what are some other? Um, have you written other books as well that I'm just not familiar with yet? Well, that was the very first book, and then I had rewritten it, re-edited it and that's uh, ready to be re-released as maximizing your human experience, which is very interesting because um, most of that book came out when I was from 16 to 23, just writing poetry and writing down my beliefs. And then once I read that quote, so I want to compile it all. Um, and my, from the time I said that, I told my father I wanted to write a book and he had written three of them. And his advice to me was don't expect to make money writing a book. And uh, no other further advice to it, to which now I help authors all the time to get their message out and realize that's the calling card to introduce people to who you are uh, so that you can support them in some other way. But at the time, um, I didn't realize that. So uh, I, I didn't know what was holding me back from, from finally getting my book done. Um, but I had a, my first step was to actually buy a business. I started uh, doing souvenirs, selling souvenirs at amusement parks. Uh, a friend of mine had started selling hair wraps at Disney and within two years made his first million dollars. And I said, if he can do that, I can do that. So I ended up having 100 employees at amusement parks all around the country. One of them is now my wife. Uh, she was 19 at the time. I was 28. And uh, after running that business for five years, I had no progress on writing my book. Uh, so I sold the company and said, all right, I'll go into sales. And within two years, I'll have my book done and I can figure out what I want to do with the rest of my life. Uh, 
10 years later, I still had no progress on my book and my twins were born. And I realized that those 10 years went by really fast and that now that I have twins, the next 10 would go by even faster. And I did not want to teach them the deferred lifestyle of putting off what you're supposed to do uh, to be comfortable or to, to follow somebody else's path. So by the time they were a year old, that's when I had my book written. Uh, but it was because I created a course of realizing I was out of alignment with what I was writing in the book. So I actually created a, a program for myself, not even knowing anything about the personal development industry, uh, just so that I would be in alignment with my own values. And then the rest of the book flowed through me. Um, and after doing that, I saw a whole bunch of things I needed to correct and change and, um, and add in the course that I had created for myself. So that was the second book. And then life just took off and it, I, my, um, path was evolving quicker than I could capture it by pen. Uh, now I'm ready to release the next book based on the, the event that uh, Ken was capturing this past weekend. Oh, beautiful. So, oh, I'm excited to hear about that. <clears throat> if you need some um, early reviews, I, um, I'd be happy to do that for you and, and look through it or read it or whatever because uh, I help write books as well. And so sometimes it's nice to have someone volunteer instead of you asking for them to have a second eye on it. <laughs> uh, we got to do more um, talking because you're going to actually be in it. So we'll, we'll talk to you. I'm, I'm, I'm part of your Keep Smiling movement, and that's going to be a part of, uh, of the book that's coming out. But one of the people that was at the event is a documentary. He uh, unveiled his documentary, Vision 2020, at our event. And is going to be doing a second documentary uh, leading into the event in 2021. So who who we'll revealed more. their documentary? His name is Barry Ashettel from Australia. Oh, nice. He's got a called Vision School. And uh, he's going to be creating a documentary about our next event and uh, the participants. So we'll, oh, we'll that's coordinate funny that. funny to after. hear that because uh, I, have, um, I had written a $23 million business plan for the Keep Smiling movement, which includes uh, doing a documentary of Barry Shore our, um, and the whole movement. So it includes uh, every, uh, it not only includes him, but us, and then the people that were learning their stories and doing the books about, because uh, we have 90 stories published and 40 more in the works. And um, I want to do docu-shorts and docu-series and then a documentary and then a film. Um, so uh, this is, uh, so I actually spent the weekend uh, talking to several film people about um, moving forward with that because I'm determined that this message needs to get out there. So many people, you know, want to see positive t television and positive film and, you know, be reflective of different things in the world than what we're seeing. I mean, I don't watch TV anymore um, at all. I haven't watched, I don't, I don't know when I gave it up, but um, it's been a long time. And so the only thing, which is actually really funny, the only thing I watch on TV is if I'm home late at night, I will turn on the TV and watch uh, Forensic Files, but that's because I used to work in law enforcement and I like looking at those cases to think how I might look at the case differently or what might be missing in that case and did it really get solved correctly. So <laughs> that's the only reason I watch that. <laughs> that's awesome. But I, uh, do you, yeah. Are you familiar with Barnett Bain? No. Barnett Bain, um, he produced What Dreams May Come with Robin Williams back in the 80s. But more recently, he did uh, Celestine Prophecy, the movie, and Milton's oh. Secret. Oh, with two of my favorite movies. There's Gina. Yeah, so he, oh, yay. <laughs> he's going to be speaking at our event next year. Well, I guess we'll just have to make the day. Oh, and Gina, you can go because they do it in Orlando. Yay! Yeah. 
Yeah, she almost made it out to her. I'm in Fort Myers. I was going to come up to see Lorenzo Hickey when he was at your event two weekends ago, but we had a nasty storm down here, 60-mile-an-hour winds, and it was like, oh, I don't feel like driving to Orlando in this wind. Mm. Totally. I remember that wind. Yeah, yeah, it was nasty. Well, yeah, we were connecting like divine really time. This is just the beginning of our journey, all of us together. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, that sounds beautiful to uh, do that and have that documented and so forth and to create all of that. So what can other people do to help you, uh, not only on your mission to help more soulful cre- uh, connections, but for your journey for other people to be soulfully connected? Well, um Again, they can start off by going to markportius.com and get their core value index assessment, and that will come with a, uh, a training afterwards that will help them. Again, that's just to, that to me, the foundation of all work is, is self-discovery, whether it's human design or astrology. or you know, We're on a lifelong track for self-understanding. And then um, for anybody who knows what their vision or their mission is to make the world a better place and would like to connect, uh, you can find me on Facebook, um, Again, I'm, I'm here to find other mission-driven entrepreneurs and, and learn how we can uh, create soulful collaboration to amplify the impact that we make in the world. Beautiful. And, Mark, I just wanted Absolutely. to make one other comment for our listeners. Years ago, Stephanie Frank, who was one of my mentors, helped me to understand what my core values were. Again, I took an assessment probably very similar to the one that Mark's been referring to. And I can't even begin to tell you how that changed everything for me, both in life and in business. My highest value is that of feeling appreciated. And when I look at the things that I'm passionate about doing, the things that really get me jazzed about getting up in the morning, they're always things that involve giving. And now I know why I'm so into all of that. It's because I really value being appreciated. And it's such a big deal for me that my ex-husband used to tell me he loved me six or seven times a day. And my response to him was like, okay, that's nice, but could you just show me that I'm appreciated instead of telling me that you love me? It, It is so much more meaningful for me. So I encourage everybody to go and take the assessment because it really will change what you do, how you act, and how you perceive what's working and what's not working in your world. Thank you. Yes, it definitely creates more ease and flow in life. Truly does. Yeah, I, I appreciate you saying that too, Gina. Uh, so for me, I, I'm a, a – you know, they always say that, you know, what we say verbally, only 7% is heard. But to me, I want to hear words. It, I like to hear words. So I see the action, and I that's great, And but I want to hear the words. <laughs> <laughs> so it's so funny, isn't it, how we, uh, you know, and then I, I, and then I married a, a very uh, quiet man. <laughs> yeah, but he's so it's, such it's a very cool guy. Tom is absolutely wonderful. Yes, he is. And uh, and it is very funny how, you know, what we uh, seek and who we partner with and, and so forth to, you know, create and establish our worlds and to bring different things out of ourselves. So it's very fun for sure. 
And I and Christina, that up, you have actually, a the, the CVI is great to not only take it yourself, but have significant others take mm-hmm. it as well, whether that's uh, at home or at work, and to, to be able to see the places of the overlap that you're just brought. When you said that, I had to share. Oh, I'm well, that so was really that important did. for me too. Stephanie didn't just help me understand my core values. She also had the assessment done by my husband as well as my entire mm-hmm. team. And when she learned about what my highest value was, she tasked all of them, my team, my husband, anybody in my life, with making sure that I knew how much they appreciated me. And I looked at my entire business differently. I'd walk around glowing just because they'd actually show me and tell me how much they appreciated me every day. It was so cool. It is beautiful. Wonderful. That's good to know. Well, and I'm glad now I know that. Now, I tend to already show you that I appreciate you, but now I know that there are times that I think of it and haven't said it, so now I know to say it. So cool beans. That, look how look how look how much better. Look how it just got even better for you, Gina. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I'm sure for our listeners who take the time to do this for themselves and the people in their lives take the time, it really will help you communicate with anybody that you're working with, anybody that's in your life so much better. You'll hear one another differently. Very, very fantastic. Again, we had Mark Porteous join us today. It's Mark. Is it MarkPorteous.com? I want to yep. be sure I'm safe. Okay. You and it. you guys can take the assessment. I'd love feedback. Anybody's welcome to reach out to Gina or I um, on our any of our social media platforms and tell us what you think of what, what you learned today and how it is affecting and changing your life. And in the coming months, I'm going to create a community around the show so that we can have after after discussions of what we've learned and what we've talked about because I realized that uh, we have been allowing these discussions to stop and they really ebb and flow continually and I want to give people the space That's to be able to think idea. and expand. Yeah, so we'll be creating a community for the Leverage Masters so that we can continue so that people can, and we get so many people who follow up and downloads who didn't listen live, and I'm sure that they have things to share that we would love to know about. And uh, with that, Gina, will you close us out? I will. Thank you so much for joining us, Mark, and I look forward to being at your next event and getting to meet you in person. If I can do anything else to support you, please just let me know. And for all of you, we will be back same time, same place next week. Have a fantastic week, everybody. Tune in next week for another episode of Leverage Masters. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook on our Leverage Blackbook page to keep up with the latest. We'll see you next time on Leverage Masters.